Welcome to Banyan Books, Branches of Wisdom. Celebrating the joy of bright ideas and heartful lifelong learning. Branches of Wisdom is a series of intimate conversations with the world's most influential authors and visionaries. We explore spirituality and the human mind, ecology and culture. Most episodes are recorded with a live audience. You can join our live events and submit questions to your favorite guests. Check out our upcoming schedule at banyan.com. Since 1970, Banyan Books has been a rich oasis at the crossroads of wisdom and philosophy, offering resources for humanity's evolving paths. We're a locally owned, independent bookstore in the heart of Vancouver's Kitsilano neighborhood. Visit us in person or shop online at banyan.com. Please subscribe, follow, like, and leave your reviews for the podcast. And now, enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Banyan Books Podcast. I'm your host, Ross McKeechee. And I can hardly believe it. Our guest today is Byron Katie. Welcome, Katie. Oh, thank you, Ross. Thank you for the invitation. I'm so happy to be here. We are so happy to have you here. Thank you. In 1986, at the bottom of a 10-year spiral into depression and self-loathing, Byron Katie found herself sleeping on the floor in a halfway house for women with eating disorders the only facility that her insurance company would pay for. The residents were so frightened of her that they put her in an attic bedroom and booby-trapped the staircase at night. <laughs> they thought she might kind of come down and do something terrible to them. Wow. And then after about a week and a half at the halfway house, Katie had a life-changing experience. She woke up one morning in a state of joy. She realized that when she believed her stressful thoughts, she suffered but that when she questioned them, she didn't suffer, and that this is true for every human being. The joy persisted for hours, then days, then months and years. Soon after Katie's return from the halfway house, word spread in her hometown of Barstow, California about a lit lady, and some people found themselves magnetically attracted to her and her freedom. As more and more people came to see her, she became convinced that what they needed, if anything, was not her personal presence, but a way to discover for themselves what she had realized. And so the work was born. The work is an embodiment of the wordless questioning that had woken up in Katie. She had lived and tested it. And now she formulated it as if in slow motion for other people to use. This simple yet powerful process of self-inquiry consists of four questions and the turnaround, which is a way of experiencing the opposite of what you believe. Over the past 31 years, it has helped millions of people around the world to begin to free themselves from stress, frustration, anger, and sadness. Eventually, in 2003, in collaboration with her husband, Stephen Mitchell, Katie published her first book on the work. Loving What Is, Four Questions That Can Change Your Life, which became a bestseller. Her other books include I Need Your Love, Is That True? A Thousand Names for Joy, and A Mind at Home with Itself. 
Nearly 20 years after Loving What Is introduced the world to the work, this beloved classic continues to inspire people all over to the world to listen to the answers they find inside themselves and to open their minds to profound, life-transforming insights. And today, Byron Katie is with Banyan Books in conversation about the new revised edition of Loving What Is. With step-by-step -step instructions and new vivid dialogues and examples, the revised edition of Loving What Is offers everything you need to learn and live this remarkable process and to find happiness as what Katie calls a lover of reality. Mm. To learn more about Byron Katie and the work, please visit thework.com. And if you'd like to join her for live for At Home with BK on Zoom, go to athomewithbk.com. This session happens every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday mm. from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific time. Banyan community, a huge warm welcome for Byron Katie. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you, Ross. I want to start with a, with a question uh, that it comes from a quote uh, from this new revised edition. And you said, I have discovered that in every language and in every country I have visited, there are no new stories. They're all recycled. The same stressful thoughts arise in each mind one way or another, sooner or later. That's why anyone's work can be your work also. So Katie, is there one particular underlying thought or belief that you've identified over the past 30 plus years that's sort of there beneath all of the different thoughts and beliefs? Is there one kind of common underlying cause? Cause, uh, if I understand your question, cause is um, as we ourselves experience it to be, uh, where my mind goes when you ask that, Ross, is like when we're asleep at night and we're not dreaming, or we have been dreaming, it doesn't matter, but we're asleep in the morning and we opened our eyes, but there's no we that opened our eyes until identification. I, I'm awake. I need to brush my teeth. I want coffee. I am tired. I slept too much. I didn't sleep enough last night. You know, it's, and this is, is not something we're doing. It's something, it, it's a happening. It's a happening. And when we believe those thoughts, I, I am, I am Byron Kathleen. I am, I am a mother. I'm a wife. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. You know, it's just, I am, I am. And the images come with that. Like, I am. And I can see my mother and my sister and my brother and all that in my mind's eye. And I have just pointed to people that died years ago. But that doesn't stop. I, I am a sister. I am a, you know, or whatever's going on. So it's, it's not voluntary. But let's say today I open my eyes and I'm awake, I'm awake to the cause of all suffering, which is the, where the I begins and how it just, these identifications just attach and the images that go with the thoughts we think. And the combination 
of the thoughts we think and the images of past future that superimpose themselves on each other make up what we understand to be life, our life. And to notice that and to I note and, and then to identify what we're thinking and believing and then to question that wakes us up. It's it's like we had to believe it to believe it. And in other words, attach. And and but we can question ourselves back to the beginning. For example, my mother says, Byron Kathleen, and I'm just a little child, and I just go on about my business. Byron Kathleen. And and I notice maybe a difference in tone. And I'm I in hindsight, maybe react to that. Don't know because I wasn't identified yet. And then there is this, this day when my father or mother, someone says, Byron Kathleen, and I look and, and I, I got a perspective. It's like they're, it feel, they're talking to me. So prior to that, I had no name, there was no I, there was no identification. Now I exist in my mother's world and my father's world. You know, they, they are, I am who they believe me to be. So they both have a different daughter. And now I have a sister, she believes I am who she believes me to be. So now we have three Byron Kathleen's. So it's it's kind of like that. And and so the it is so it is just so incredible to get still and to meditate in a in a specific situation that comes to mind. Maybe um, maybe a complaint we have about someone in the world and just just invite that complaint that situation and then and then maybe he said he didn't care about me and i am in that situation and i am sitting in he doesn't care about me is it true and then those questions those four questions and opposites turnarounds that you um, pointed to earlier come into play and eventually identification it's such an amazing process. I, it, it becomes like um, not only a practice in stillness. But a radical practice in stillness that drops so deeply under, 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 under any noise that it's like you get double doses as you go. What I believe about the world is all it can ever be. What any of us believe about the world, no two people live in the same world. So if you don't love your world, boy, do I have four questions for you <laughs> to consider. It really, when I sit with the work, if, if we're to take it all the way, it really is a radical practice. And I, I want to come to, in, in the chapter on um, doing the work around work and money, 
you have a dialogue with a woman named Margaret and you title that section uh, fear and social or sorry, angry at corporate America. This seems like a big, a, a big one these days. So you say, um, I'm just looking for the quote here. If you do the, if you do the work and I'm no longer fearful of the planet's welfare, why would I get involved with social action? And your answer is because that's what love does. That's what it does. And it, it doesn't take credit for it. It's just, it's just without fear. Let's say the heart is love. The heart is our true nature. Let's use that as a symbol, the heart. There's nothing to stop it. And notice how you react and what happens physically when you're fearful. Your body, in some way, it seizes. It, it, it becomes the opposite of fluid. We feel, you know, our chest tighten, our neck tighten, our stomach, we maybe get not. It's, but in the absence of fear, we're free, body, mind, spirit, to do what we feel guilty for not doing later. It's a way of living like um, with no footprint, with, with no past. We're just humane beings just living our lives as we, as we would want it to be without the want. It's just natural. I love the analogy you use of being out in the desert and there's a, a pop can and I, and you sort of describe, I'm paraphrasing that I can get angry about that and create a story about how human beings are destroying the planet and then pick up the pop can, or I can just pick up the can. There it is. There it is. Pick up the can for no reason, no harm, no foul. You talk about the three kinds of business. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about that? This is wonderful. Oh, I love it. It's so helpful. People really, um, some people really love this one. It's um, um, three kinds of business. That's all I could find. Three kinds of business in the world. And that's my business, your business, and God's business, or nature, whatever you refer to the heart. And and uh, so if I am, um, if... If one of my children are, um, I don't know, that's a, anyway, let's say one of my children um, have said something I don't approve of or done something I don't approve of. Let's use that, that hypothetical. And, um, and I'm going on about my day and he lives on the other side of the world. I'm going about my day here in California. And, and I'm mentally in his business. Why doesn't he call? His feelings are hurt. He hurt my feelings. And, and why did he ask that question of me? He knows the answer to that. And, and as, I'm, as I'm going to work, I'm driving the car, I'm doing the dishes at home, all of this, I'm full of him. So my, I'm halfway across the world. I'm in his business, but there's no one here for me. 
That's the opposite of presence. So as soon as you feel any kind of stress, I invite you all just for fun to ask yourself in this moment now, whose business am I living? Whose business am I in? And it can bring you right back to where you are. And then you can, it's, it's as though life is right here, right now. We become more mindful, more present, and much less worried. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I just want to remind our, our live audience that um, Byron Katie is going to be taking some of your questions for the last 15 minutes or so. So please go ahead and type them into the Q&A tab and we'll get to as many of those as we can. I'm wondering, you've been doing this, this work guiding people all around the world for 30 plus years. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you've seen any pitfalls or ways that people might warp the work in order to bypass mm -hmm. issues in their life that actually need action mm -hmm. or addressing. Is there, is there ways you've seen that might be like, red flags or warnings to people for how not yeah. to let their mind do that? Yeah, they might think something and say, oh, I know that's not true. And that's not doing the work. That's guessing again. Wow. And, 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 and even if you weren't guessing, let's say you, for, you, you, I invite people to continue. Notice how you react when you believe the thought. And then that will give you a past to sit in and you can see cause and effect of believing that thought as you meditate in that thought. Like, he doesn't care about me, for example, or she doesn't care about me. Would find a person and find your complaint. For example, he's mean to his children. Now, as soon as I said he's mean to his children, I would guess that everyone that heard me say that had an image in their head of a male with children, a picture of that in their mind's eye. And maybe the, 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 that male had a terrible look on his face and he's looking at the children or we, but if, if I say the word, lemon and i invite you to bite into a big juicy ripe lemon right here right now imagine you know it's it's you feel a physical thing it's a physical thing and nothing happened but imagination so apply that to every object and personality in your life, those that you haven't met and those you may meet and, you know, in this world of, I call this, I refer to, um, to this world as earth school. And it's, um, you know, we're, we are, you know, we are of nature that is so indescribable and let's just say good beautiful there's nothing we can do about that is our nature that is immovable any thought that goes against that is up against the immovable and it's going to feel like stress so i can 
you know, let's let's say I can hear that, understand that, but what do I do with it? Ego won't stop. So I invite people people to get still, identify what the ego offers up, identify it, and write it down, move it respectfully from your mind to paper. And I have you know, a judge enable worksheet for that. And it's and there are six questions on that worksheet. So you um you I you identify what you're thinking and believing. And you know, Ross, I lost my train of thought when I went to the worksheet. That's okay. I, you know, I think it's actually worth mentioning, and I wanted to ask you because. You have so many free resources on your website, mm, including mm -hmm. the Judge Your Neighbor worksheet and instructions how to apply the work. If it's valuable, it's up there. It costs nothing. That's it's, so wonderful. Well, so, I, I did nothing for this gift. It is a gift. And, and um, what do you do with a gift? You give it. Where do, you where do you suggest someone who's new to the work starts? If they visit your website, thework.com, should they go right to the Judge Your Neighbor worksheet or what should they do? Well, you know uh, how to do the work is, is on byronkatie.com or thework.com. They're both the same site. And, um, and um, how to do the work is, is there. And um, as you said earlier, there's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 9 a.m. Pacific time, and that's also free. People contribute, and people, some people can't, so everyone's welcome, and it all works out. And um, so how to do the work is there. We do the, we do the work those three days a week. And also, there's, a, there's an app, Ross. It's 99 cents, and it's the work app. And, and that's in, you know, your usual app store. But... Um, it's nothing that it it requires nothing that every human being doesn't already have. Well, I wonder um, about this prayer that I, that I heard you say. You said, "If I had a prayer, it would be this: God spare me from the desire for love, approval." And appreciation. Yeah. God spare me from the desire to seek love, approval, or appreciation. Those are things that I would need to own myself before I would ever seek it from another human being. We see it everywhere anyway. We see sometimes people approve of us, sometimes they don't, but seeking it is torment. It's the ego, it's, a, it's an ego's play. Everything we need, love, approval, and appreciation, you know, we can give that to us. And how do we do that when we, ex when we experience self-loathing? You know, these judge and neighbor worksheets, it takes us to the essence of us without woo-woo, without silliness, with direct, just dead on you with you. All it requires is an open mind and, and you really wanting to know the truth about what you're thinking and believing. What's true and what's, you know, you know, I can, I can be, if I'm mean, I say or do anything or think 
anything less than that immovable, less than love, guilt happens. Guilt happens. And if I think it, sooner or later, it's lived out in very minor ways or eventually major ways, maybe. But um, we can't get away with it. We can't. And guilt is the breeding ground. It is the yum, yum, yummiest food for ego that it's its favorite. Yeah, guilt's a pit. And I love guilt. It's, it's a, a measurement of something's off. If I feel guilty, something's off in me. Not the world, not anyone else, in me. So I get still. I look at that at the situation I'm feeling guilty over. And, um, and, and, you know, the ego would say, yeah, you said and did that, but they did this major, major thing. You only did this little tiny thing. Well, that little tiny thing, like the princess and the pea, that's the bruise. That's the guilt. He did that much. She said that much. Okay, they can afford it. I did that much. What was I thinking and believing to, um, act against my nature. I really want to know. And that's, that's, um, that's when, uh, you know, I can sit down and do the work and wake up to reality. We had, uh, we had your husband, Stephen Mitchell on mm -hmm. the program just before Christmas time, talking about his new book, um, the first Christmas. And he spoke about your relationship at length and there was so much love and devotion there mm -hmm. and respect. And uh, I'm wondering if you can talk about maybe a little bit about your relationship, but also about the power of our intimate partnerships in waking up and staying awake, how we can use those relationships. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's, um, you know, the experience is unconditional love and it's not something that I would, try to do and if we can do it with one we do it with every human because it's it's what i'm thinking and believing about stephen that is the cause of my love and devotion it's nothing i'm trying to do or have to do it just is that way and marvel he's also my teacher and and uh, and those of you listening to this on uh, the people in your life, those are your teachers. <laughs> they show you where, um, you know, an unfinished business. And that's what I so appreciate about partnerships like marriage. And and um, so, uh, and what was your last question? I mean, having to do with Stephen, a relationship, what's Just, it like? Yeah, how, how our relationships serve. I think you answered it, how they serve to help us in the process of waking up and staying, oh, like how we can use okay. those relationships. Here's how they help us. They don't agree with us. They disagree with us sometimes. They don't agree. They disagree sometimes. And when our minds are open and we're really invested and we can also if we're in touch with, with ourselves, if our minds open, we say, oh, that was a good one, honey. Would you say that again? I wasn't really listening. So that criticism comes back. And I know it's not a criticism. It's an observation. 
and he could be right. And so he grows me. Why? Because my mind is open. And he's a wise man. And it could be that he's not right. And I, in my experience, and I share that with him. And in his world, he's right. In my world, I am. And my mind remains open. And Stephen's mind um, is, um, it, it's like each of us are, um, we're open, we're open, or we are locked into um, to being right. And, you know, the old expression, I'd rather be free than right, it really is so. I'd rather be open-minded. Because that's, you know, that's the position of the student, open to learn. Teachers don't have a lot of fun. Students, that's where the, that's, that's where the trip is. Thank you. We have some nice questions rolling in from our live audience, if it's okay with you to mm -hmm. attend to some of those. Okay. There's one from Megan who says, I've always been interested in the connections between how we think and how we feel in our bodies. Is it possible to use the work to heal physical ailments and or physical pain? Oh, absolutely. Even physical pain is either remembered or anticipated. If I, you know, this, this work will give us all kinds of insights like that. We just notice that, that maybe the car door slammed on our hand and we wait for it to hurt and it doesn't. And there's no denial there. You just wait and wait and, and open the door. And maybe when the blood rushes back in, it hurts, but you just wait. But it doesn't hurt until it does. And, and that's what inquiry can give us, the most unexpected life. The, um, ask the question again. Sure. I've always been interested in the connections between how we think and how we feel in our bodies. Is it possible to use the work to heal physical ailments and or physical pain? Yeah, you know, um, I love to say, do the, and this is true for me, I did the work and smoking quit me. I did mm -hmm. the work and, and foods that I love quit me. And it's, it, what was left was sane choices, which is what this work gives us. It gives us sanity and it affects everything in our life. And it's, it's, it's um, I did the work and, and it just gets better and better and better because we become healthier and healthier and healthier. Um, I'm almost, I'll be 80 this year. And wow. um, the, my, Stephen and I, we have the, the same doctor and, and she gives us these massive blood tests and everything and gets together with us, I think once every three years or something. But um, according to her and those tests, it's just not right that I'm gonna be 80 this year. That, you know, she just doesn't see 40 and 50 year olds that are, or even younger as healthy in their blood tests and their x-rays or their whatever rays they can give you when you go in the tubes and 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 but it's an it, and i don't do anything for it it's just 
as natural a way. It's it's living without healthy mind, healthy body, confused mind, you know, and and you know, think, feel, act, have. I call it the order of creation. So think. And if you believe the thoughts, you feel them like the lemon. Think, feel, and then you act on that, or the body does, the physical. So that could be cancer. It could be it could be anything. It could be your overall health. I certainly don't know that area, but I do know what hurts and what doesn't physically. And um, think, feel, act, and then you have that. So the clearer we get, the saner we get, the wiser our choices, and the body shifts. Think, feel, act, have. So no magic potion. I just did the work on mother, father, sister, brother, and um, to, to maintain this, this gift that, that I received on the floor. Thank you. We have a, a question. There's a couple of people, or at least three people, have sent in questions about war and the war in Ukraine right now. So I'm going to try and sort of amalgamate that those three questions. So there's a there's a also there's um I just posted a YouTube on on from on a woman in Russia and her father and the war. So um, so that might be helpful too, to whoever has the questions and the questions. So, yeah, I think, how could love work in Ukraine right now, practically? Mm, yeah, well, it, it's, it's answered in that, in that YouTube video with a beautiful young woman. Um, so, you know, Fear is not helpful, number one. You know, the absence of fear, we do the right thing. We don't even have to think about it. It's, it's, it's what we need to do is in the present moment, it's shown to us. And if you've ever been fearful, then, you know, there's the proof of that. Works both ways. So um, what I need to do in my life, and this is a practice, there's no war in the States, for example, and, and many other countries. And um, so how, in, how do you, how are you, it's like all the fear anyone can take, all the fear they need for earth school is available to them now in their life. So take care of that. It's, it's um, in earth school, you know, we all, there are people in Ukraine and Russia, for example, that um, are, they have great courage. When you look at the economy in Russia and, and the, um, the war in Ukraine and Let's say in the States, we have enough fear here in our everyday lives. Take care of that. And in Earth School, when I need war on, in my homeland, 
then that's my next lesson. And it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing of life, life is a dream and we get what we need. Like if someone stands there with a, with a gun and he says he's going to shoot me and he aims it at me and he's this far away from me and he says he's going to shoot me, where is the problem? There isn't one. But if I, he says, I'm going to shoot you, and I imagine him pulling the trigger, I, and this is what the ego does, it imagines him, immediately imagines him pulling the trigger, it enters my, my head, because he's aiming it at my head, it enters my head, and I'm terrified. Of what? Nothing. Pure imagination. That's what it's like to live in the future. It can be terrifying. Now, let's say he does pull the trigger. You know, it's, it's, how would I know if he blew my head off? How would I know? This is a, a, a big dose for some of you. It's just, you know, if someone throws a ball and says, by McKatie, catch this ball, and they throw the ball, I'm not imagining it in my hand. I'm watching the ball. I've got it. That's what it's like to be in the present. We think we need to know the future and, and remember the past to know the future. But everything you all need to know for your earth school right here, right now, you know. You have everything you need. No one has a greater advantage. And if you, if you want to understand that, I invite you to inquiry. You know, it's been said by, oh, I think it was, yeah, it, it was Socrates, as I recall, someone told me, probably Stephen, that um, on an an, an uninvestigated life is not worth living. And when I look at my life before the work and after, I am here to say in my experience, absolutely. When and I of course, I was extremely, um, uh, I was extremely depressed and suicidal for, for more than a decade, agoraphobic. So, um, but we've all had enough suffering, you know, in our own way. And so, yeah. What I, what I, what keeps coming up for me when I hear you talk speaking is there's like what you talked about with the gun example there, that's quite an extreme example, but it illustrates a point. It, you're not, I don't think you're saying that we shouldn't react or respond oh, run, to those situations. Run, run, run. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you can outrun the bullet, run. <laughs> oh my goodness, no, getting, getting free does not mean getting crazy. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up, Ross. No, run if you can outrun a bullet. Right. The point is there, we have these precognitive survival responses, but that mm -hmm. isn't the same thing as the, the mind coming in and generating mm -hmm. unnecessary suffering. I don't, I, do, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. See that what I described as unnecessary suffering. 
And then if, if he or she pulled the trigger, then uh, what I'm thinking and believing, if, if, there's, if, there's, if there's someone there to think and believe, but if, if I, if what I'm thinking and believing is, um, is um, you know, I really want to be in touch with it because it's art school. I want to, you know, I'm, I'm in. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in for it all. Man really did put a gun to my head and he really did say with some, uh, with a word that went with it, I'm going to blank kill you. And, um, and put the gun to my, and, and, um, and I did not, um, I was, I was, well, I'll just say it. I just was looking into his eyes and his face, and and I thought, oh my goodness, I hope he doesn't do that to him. I hope he doesn't. Do and he didn't pull the trigger. I didn't say it out loud. But why would I imagine a future that was untrue? Meaning, imagine he pulled. He, he imagine him pulling the trigger when that could be the last few moments of my life. I can be clear or I can be in a trance, the, the trance of life. And that's not a terrible thing. The beautiful thing, you know what I love about all pain right here, right now, it's in the past. So where's our gratitude? There's a question here from Sabina, and I think, especially these days, this is a big topic. She's asking about generational or pain and trauma, and how, how can the work help with generational pain and trauma? And then Sabina well, says, thank you for all that you do. Oh, that's, that's so sweet. Thank you, Sabina, for the question. Um, you know, my family, um, long line of alcoholism, and um, my brother died of drug addiction my sister died of just horrendous obesity and um and um all that goes with that so much pain for both of them and by some grace um i um i had both i had both my parents, my aunts, my uncles, it was, you know, quite a history. But inquiry breaks the spell you're in. It's like inquiry broke my spell. No, it can break yours because I deal with me, you deal with you. And um, yeah, again, how to do the work is on, on the work.com. But when people are pain in pain, I understand no one would suffer if... Um, if they had another choice and even this inquiry i don't even know if choice like you can sit in the work and follow the directions and even though they're simple your ego can talk you out of them inquiry is what it takes a very open mind and 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 the desire to to be free free of suffering 
I just want to take a moment. We're just coming to the end of our time. I want to thank everybody who's been here to join us live and thank you for sending in all of your great questions. I wish we had time to get mm -hmm. to all of them. A big thanks to Jacob Steele, our podcast producer who curates all the, the events that we do and um, to everybody that's part of the Banyan Books community. We've been speaking with Byron Katie, her new revised edition of Loving What Is has just come out, Four Questions That Can Change Your Life. And I, I'm really honored that you uh, took the time to, to be with us today, Katie. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Ross. Gosh, what a privilege. I've enjoyed our time together so much. And I hope it doesn't sound too crazy to, to uh, all of you out there, but I, I can't not, not do this. <laughs> Maybe we can close. Can you tell us, Katie, you, you just mentioned you're, you'll be 80 soon. Mm -hmm. Are you, what are your plans? Like, I know you're not thinking too much about the future. I know that about you, but are you planning to continue doing this work, traveling, teaching the work? Oh, you know, as, as, um, as long as I'm able and in this Zoom world, you know, um, I don't know uh, what could shut me up. You know, I, I had a, I made a, uh, it was kind of like a vow on understanding that even to speak would imply existence and it would mislead people. And um, so I made up this kind of thing. I didn't make, it was just like sealed that I would never speak again. And and in that, I can tell you, I haven't. So I keep that vow. Wow. Thank you so much. You are welcome. And thank you again for the invitation. Thanks for joining us for Branches of Wisdom, a podcast of Banyan Books and Sound, Canada's spiritual and healing resource since 1970. Our podcast producer is Jacob Steele. The show is edited by Abdo Habani. And I'm your host, Ross Makichi. Watch all our conversations on YouTube by searching for Banyan Books or listen on your favorite podcast platform. Please subscribe, follow, like, and leave your reviews and comments. We love to hear from you. For all our live events, books, and more, visit us at banyan.com.